Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. And what's up, Internet? You're listening to the Fan Bros Show, the voice of the urban geek, where we discuss geek culture from the perspective of people of color. Your boy, DJ Benjamin, aka the Anti Trike Equation, aka the Beverly Trill Billy, aka Hollywood Hameen, aka Wakanda's favorite DJ Handolo himself, here in the spaceship tonight, flying high in the night sky. And I'm joined by the dulcet morning AM to, uh, tones of Chico Leo. Oh, Sorry, I like I gotta, that. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I'm just, I'm just feeling really, uh, really chill after, uh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to where I was earlier today, but, uh, yo, it's your boy Chico Leo, <laughs> aka LeBron Frames, aka Afro Cheeks, aka Two Cheeks, aka, I had another one, but it, but it, uh, it, it left my head too quick before it could leave mm. my mouth. Oh, uh, must be due to whatever else you were doing earlier today, D. Chico Leo. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Right. But we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later because, you know, like we said, this is Fan Bro Show, the voice of the urban geek. You know, we talk about geek culture, culture from the perspective of people of color. You know, it's all that good stuff for all nerds. And I hope everyone is having a beautiful week out there. As you see, for longtime listeners, you have heard, or by now you know, that the show, you know, we're doing a little experimentation right now with the release schedule. We're moving to Monday, becoming more of a, like, you know, we were already the Weekend Geek, but now we're just redefining that, you know. So you'll get your new episodes of Fan Bro Show every Monday morning. You know, you'll get the dulcet tones of... D Chico Leo, you'll get the rants and raves of DJ Ben I mean, when Tatiana King Jones returns. Tatiana King Jones returns from Howard Homecoming. Hey, you, you know, you know, you'll hear her too, of course. All the TED talk with Tatiana, all that. So good we're stuff. like in the TARDIS now. We're we're exploring space and time. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, very well done. You know, and it's much bigger right. on the inside. Or that's what she said. Or more, but, um, yes, exactly. Or, or more, more. It's like we're the uh, the spice lords of uh, Dune, of you know uh, that we're actually folding space and time. Oh, very well done, Dune and right, Doctor. Yep. And also, you know, when we're talking about time traveling, you got to give a big shout out to Back to the Future too, because as we record this, this is Back to the Future Day. You know, the day that Marty. Move forward, you know, in time and back to the future, too. So, you know, we're doing all kind of time traveling and moving around right now. But let's get to the news of the week. Like we said, it's the week in Geek. And oh, my God, that Black Panther trailer. Yeah, all right. So the Black Panther trailer, I'm surprised it didn't break the Internet. Um, I mean... Um, yeah, it was it was really dope. It was like the uh, the Spider Man trailer. I had to literally watch it three or four times in a row right when it dropped. I couldn't fully, uh, you know, grasp all of the components of what we were getting. Mm-mm. No, I had to watch it at least. I mean, since it dropped, I've seen it at least 
I don't know, 10, 15 times now. Like, I've seen them multiple times. I haven't, you know, really gone so far to read anything, you know, reading interpretations of it, what everybody's thoughts are. I've just watched it a bunch of times because I, I already felt like that was just spoiling me more, but it was such an incredible trailer. It was just like the last Jedi trailer, which was so dope, you know, where even though I was kind of worried about the spoils, it was just so sick that, you know, I just did not care at all because, man, that joint... Ooh, and I mean, like one of my favorite moments that I was, you know, just waiting for was seeing Ta-Nehisi Coates' version of the Black Panther suit transformation when it just forms on his head. And I was pretty sure we were going to get that bitch out to Ta-Nehisi because he gave us a little hint last time. And, he was and Brian Stelfreeze. And Brian yes. Stelfreeze. Oh, yeah. Big shouts to Brian Stelfreeze himself for real because the artist behind the Ta-Nehisi run, which is just so crazy. But. You know, he given us that hint right there. So, you know, now to see it, what was your favorite moment? So I, I actually thought that it might have been the dap. It might have been the brother's oh. dap. Um, oh. But, I mean, you know, obviously all the action stuff, the, the car stuff with, with him jumping off the car uh, in, in slow, the slow motion, all the, you know, all, all the Panther stuff. But I was going to say I liked it a lot more than the Last Jedi trailer. Um, wow. You know, I, I was here for the Ewoks. I'm not yet here for the Porgs. Um, I'm, I'm definitely down with a lot of what we saw in the last Jedi trailer, but between the Porgs and kind of how whack Kylo Ren is, there was nothing like that, like either of those things in the Black Panther trailer. The Black yep. Panther trailer was just moment after moment after moment. And I thought it was even better than the Wonder Woman trailer. Um, it was, it, it, I think it might have been the, the it was, yeah, it was the best superhero trailer this year for sure. Oh, um, yeah. Um, so, that Thor was pretty ill. Thor was a pretty ill trailer too, you know, especially with the, you know, he's a friend from work line. That was pretty yeah. sick. But I do agree, Chico, because I feel like this showed a lot without showing anything because we know that uh, Michael B. Jordan isn't the main villain, and you got to see a lot of him in this, but that means he's definitely not, you know, whatever happens towards the end of this film. I don't think we saw any of it in there. So that is dope. And like you said, the brother-sister stuff, the, you know, you get to determine what type of, you know, crown, I mean, king you are, the whole Angela Bassett, like... Right. I mean... That dress. And I, I thought it also just had an epic scale, right? Like yes. a lot of these superhero, you know, trailers do, but I thought it definitely conveyed like a really epic, um, you know, basically going back to the roots of like the original Stanley, Jack Kirby, you know, Fantastic Four, Black Panther, you know, like, so I was into seeing all the establishing shots. Like they, you know, they showed us a little more of Wakanda than they did of Paradise Island in. Uh, the Wonder Woman trailer. So I I was here for that. Um, I just thought, I mean, it was just a really, really dope trailer. And again, comparing to the Wonder Woman, I mean, like Creed was really dope. And so mm -hmm. I have a lot, a lot, a lot of faith in Ryan Coogler. Um, I'm not sure. Do you know if it's the same DP? Because the woman who shot Creed did an amazing job shooting the amazing. fight sequences. Amazing. I hope so, because they definitely need her. I didn't even know it was a woman, and we need to look at yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, so a woman shot Creed. Out. It's yeah. really, really, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely, I mean, those are, that and Thor probably are, are theater movies, but that one is definitely, I mean, like, I can't imagine not 
um, going opening night. I think what is it uh, already like February twentieth, twenty eighteen, or February sixteenth, twenty eighteen? I think it's February eighteenth. I think split the difference on those. Right. All yeah. right. So there you go. You have me showing up. To me. I show up too early or too late. <laughs> yeah. It won't matter, bruh. And trust, the fan bros are working on something really big concerning the premiere. Shout out to Black Girl Nerds, a few other people who I just can't name yet, but there will be more news about that this week. By the time you hear this, you might even be seeing some stuff. So make sure you're following us on Instagram, on Twitter, at Fan Bros Show, on that YouTube. Yo, if you're not following us on YouTube right now, and seeing everything from New York Comic Con, you are bugging. So go to youtube.com slash show right now. Hit that subscribe button. Get all that good stuff because, oh my God, we still got so much more to come. But we're dropping, I mean, just insane amounts of stuff. Bitch, shout out to the homie Evan Narcisse. The interview with him is coming this week. Uh, shout out to Saladin Ahmed, like just on and on. You got to go peep the Wicked and Divine interviews on there. Got to go peep Chico Leo doing the brap segments with all the cosplayers. We got the official cosplay video coming this week that is so crazy. Just so much. So make sure you go over there, youtube.com slash show and get you some of that good stuff. And uh, speaking of some good stuff, you know, we finally both, you know, got to peep Blade Runner 2049. I know you peeped it today. I peeped it last week. So, you know, we haven't got to talk about it. And, you know, what were your thoughts? All right. So I actually, I think, all right, two weeks ago uh, when we were on the show, I said that, you know, it was already October and there hadn't been a better movie than Get Out. And I would say that this is the first movie that came out this year that was better, that I liked more than Get Out. And I like Get Out a lot. I know. Um, I think basically this is almost, like, you have to have loved the first Blade Runner. This was just more Blade Runner for, you know, without any mistakes, like missteps, um, the way a lot of sequels. I thought it was one of the best sequels I've ever seen. Um, I thought they did such a good job, like, it's 30 years later. But it still felt like the Ridley Scott movie. They had uh, Hans Zimmer did the music, but there was so much. Um, I mean, it, it felt like the Vangelis music from uh, the original one. I really liked it. Now, there's no doubt it's slow. Like, if you don't want to see a slow movie, like, it's going to be. Now, it does have some action set pieces that I thought were really dope. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I really liked it a lot. I thought. It had, like, among the best sound designs, among the best cinematography. And I really liked the story. And I liked, you know, it got into a lot of, like, heavy-duty, like, robot-human shit. Um, like, on the level of, like, Ex Machina or even going way back to, like, Metropolis. You know, one of the first early huge science fiction movies in the 1920s. Or, you know, 2001. Or some of these, like, big, you know, basic concepts about life and, you know you know are they human or you know what does it mean to be more human than human so i was i was i was really into it um it it is slow like there are five minute scenes in this that in any other movie would be a minute long and there's a lot Mm -hmm. of them but i i i kind of knew that going in and i was prepared for that and it just looked so good and sounded so good um i didn't think it was boring but it is, I mean, it's its pace is slower than most big-budget, tentpole-type movies. Yep, 
All right, now, I definitely had a different feeling, and before I say anything, I have to, you know, make this quite clear. As everyone knows, I'm now working with Michael Green, who is one of the main screenwriters on Blaine Writer, and so it's like this might be my first time that I've had a, I guess, shall you say, conflict of interest, because, you know, it's like tough for me to be honest about something when I also work with Michael, and I really respect him as a writer. I think he's, you know, amazing. I had some issues with Blade Runner, though. I did think that it was, you know, cinematography, everything, like you said, was top-notch, incredible. It is slow as hell. I didn't mind that. I felt like the action, you know, really broke up the slowness. And the slowness, there's a lot of things being distrust that you don't really hear distrust in a lot of movies. So that type of thing I was really into. I just had a problem with its um, depiction of women. And I felt like the movie borders on misogynistic at points. It really just has a weird thing. And we're going to have Michael Green on the show soon because I really want to talk to him about things, you know, about the film and everything. And my issue is, well, it's not really an issue because I've kind of, well, it is an issue, but I feel like the movie doesn't make a clear point. And maybe that is the point, because I feel like both the protagonist and the antagonist in this film just disregard women entirely. And so it's like, if the movie is saying men ain't shit, then, you know, I can understand that. But I'm not sure that was the point. And that was kind of my issue. But then that's one of the things about this film is it's not a film that's just going to give you an easy answer. You know, an easy answer. It's just going to be keep, you know, it's going to make you think about things and you kind of have to figure out the themes and your and the answers for yourself. So I thought, I, all right, so this is, I mean, the movie's been out for over two weeks now, so I feel yep. like we can, you know, we can maybe mention a few things. I think, I, I get what you're talking about, but I also feel like they created a future that's sort of based on ours. Like, every single technology that's happened, sex has been related and women have been degraded. Like, yeah, pornog- they were making pornography. I think the first movie is two people kissing, and it, mm. it couldn't have been too far after that that they had pornography. You know, um, the VCRs became you know changed the the state of things because people could watch porno in their in their homes. You know, um, mm-hmm. and so this movie he has an actual like hologram girlfriend, which yep. I could definitely see, but I I didn't think the movie was saying this is good. I think the movie was saying mm-hmm. this is this is where we're going. I mean, you see every week there's like, you know, roboticists in South Korea or Japan that are like coming closer and closer to making real sex bots and like movies like her and, you know, like that's that's going to happen in, in, in the future. Um, I actually had a bigger issue with the lack of representation in the future. Um, what I is also that legit criticism? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I there were very few if any um black or asian faces even like on the streets um or in the background I mean, there were some wood harrises in it but it was like it was it was kind of shocking and then i mean the woman who plays his girlfriend who i think is one of the most beautiful women ever is a cuban actress but they're definitely going for spicy white and like you know very lighter skin Latin characters, and Edward James almost is in it because he was in the original and he plays the same role. But there was to me a shocking lack of sort of what 
everyone is predicting the world is going to look like, or especially a city like Los Angeles in 2040, um, 2049, you know? Um, so that, that I thought was a bigger issue for me, but there always, there always is going to be this misogyny stuff when you're talking about robots because it, it reflects our society, you know, like ex machina or there's all, all of this stuff, especially when you have female robots. I mean, one of the, one of the main replicant characters is is a prostitute. Mm -hmm. She's and, a pleasure model. Yeah, and so I, you know, I agree with you there. And perhaps that is the point of it: is that it's just reflecting a light on ourselves, and we're seeing exactly where we're going. So in that sense, you I mean, know, it's very well done. Six six months ago, Bill O'Reilly got fired from Fox News for paying thirty two million dollars in sexual harassment claims. They just re-announced today that they're rehiring him for $25 million. You know, you got all the Harvey Weinstein stuff, which is literally just the tip of the iceberg. You've got, you know, Donald Trump president who is an admitted, you know, sexual assaulter, uh, you know. And so I'm saying it's sort of reflecting the times, but I get I get what you're saying. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I would say, you know, the antagonist definitely has... I mean, the main person who the you know who's sort of after our guy and it is a female replicant who's a badass and an ass kiss a kicker. Yeah, but she's also you know controlled by Jared Leto, so it's that's it's right, that's things. right. Yeah, but I would definitely, like you said, I would encourage everybody to check it out. You know, above and beyond that, it's one of the most beautiful films you'll see. It's something you definitely need to see on the big screen. Because, like Chico said, the sound design, the production values, the just largesse of it all is something you need to check it out. So go check out Blade Runner 2049 and, you know, let us know what you think. Hit us up at Fanbro's Show. You know, hit us up at DJ Benjamin, at the Chico Leo. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more Fanbro's Show. This is Alish Kott, and um, I have never listened to Fan Bros before. But as of now, after doing this podcast, I am now going to start. And this is what matters. And welcome back, Internet. Hope you've been enjoying this amazing episode of Fan Bros Show. Make sure you're subscribed, as always, on iTunes, on Spotify, on YouTube, all those different places, anywhere on the Internet. Anywhere you type in that search bar, you just type in Fan Bros Show, and any result that comes up, you go on and hit a subscribe right there. You leave a comment, a five-star rating, all that good stuff. And speaking of good stuff, it's time for The Guac is Extra. That's right. The Guac is Extra, a.k.a. Geekwently Asked Questions. Questions. Where we answer all the best from the internet. So if you have a question for us, make sure you hit us up. Contact at fanbros.com or hit us on Twitter at fanbros show on Instagram, all those places. And, you know, we actually need y'all to hit us up. I know we've been moving around locations, you know, floated through space time. We might have missed a few. But, you know, we need some more questions from y'all. But this week, stepping up to the plate, we have Brandon, the light, bright black knight, 
aka the other guy for aka uncle phil l phil la aka a thin line between woke and problematic um yeah let's that's, hope you're that's uh, everyone yeah yeah let's hope your question's better than your aka's but you say if you had to spend halloween weekend at one of these places which would you choose a house on elm street camp crystal lake michael myers house or the amitage's family ranch from get out i would i would actually i mean for me it's definitely between michael myers house or uh camp crystal lake and that's because i feel like you can you can those people in crystal lake like they, they just act stupid and make mistakes and get killed Whereas as soon as you're dealing with Get Out or Elm Street, you're dealing with like mind control stuff and mental stuff. Um, and so, and I feel like Crystal Lake, you've got more room to move around than Michael Myers' house and Michael, My- I don't know. I'm going to go with, I would rather face Jason at Crystal Lake than uh, Michael Myers, Freddy, or the Armitage family. Wow. Yeah, what about you? Yeah. I mean, those, those are all valid reasons, and I'm, I've been name-dropping all episodes, so I'm going to keep doing it. I actually got to attend a Friday the 13th party at uh, Brian Fuller's, you know, domicile, and it was incredible. I've never seen a whole Friday the 13th before, and it was such a sick setup. You know, they had, like, the big screen where you could see all the movies. They were just playing them in order, and people were dressed up and acting out their death sentences in front of the screen, like it was Rocky Horror Pictures show or something. So just great. And the one that I really got to peep was Friday the 13th Part 3, the first one where he gets his uh, Jason hockey mask. Right. He kills poor Shelly. And... Something I really admired about the film and about Jason in particular is his efficiency. Like, my man goes to work. Like, they spend, like, 30 minutes of the movie establishing all these characters, and then within 20, 25 minutes, Jason is off them all. Like, one after the other. There's no time for even to discover a body. Like, he's bodied them all before that. And it would, I mean, I'd never seen that. You know, I, I've always watched uh, um, Nightmare on Elm Street. And Freddy takes, like, days, you know, maybe a couple weeks. You know, my man Jason, 25 minutes, a whole camp full of kids, a whole gang of black people. So, um, you know, back to the question, I think, oh, knowing what I know, I think I'd have to go with um the Get Out family. Wow. Because I right. just, yeah. Yeah, I just come up in there with some earplugs and I just beat them all to death. Right. You know, or like, or come with the, you know, come with the shoddy. You know, they ain't, they ain't much of no problem. Yeah, like, you know, earplugs, some like sunglasses, you know, I'm coming in there wrecking shop and then I'm, you know, and then they got a nice, a nice ranch chilling after that. Like, you, you can't handle Jason, you can't handle Michael, and you probably can't handle Freddy. So, nah, I'm going to go with them. All right. I don't know. You uh, might end up in the sunken place. I might, but, you know, I've been there before. You know, right. stay woke. Um, As always, make sure you send in your questions. You know, hit us up, contact at fanbros.com. We take any and all questions. It does not have to be geek-related per se. You know, anything you want to ask us, any type of advice you need, anything you want to know, any knowledge, everything you've just been, you know, thinking about, wondering about, you know, like, what's it like? 
being on staff writing for American Gods. You know, ask us, and then you'll find out. But, um, you know, like we said before, Tatiana King is not here tonight. She is chilling, you know, relaxing, enjoying Howard Homecoming. And so no tech news with her tonight, sadly. But I, I, I just tried to take a second, man. I've been playing Destiny 2. Chico, you ever played that joint? I actually have not played Destiny. Destiny and Overwatch are like the two, sh- you know, I've just literally never played. Uh, what about Halo? Yeah, but not recently. Well, it doesn't matter because that's my point, dog. I've been playing Destiny 2 for a minute, and this game is the most overhyped game probably in all of existence. Like, all Destiny is is Halo with collectibles. Like, right. that's all it is. It might be worse than a lot of the Halos. Like, so far, I find it just really boring and redundant. And I'm just amazed that Bungie has managed to, like, pull this wool over people because it's just like, you know, sell people wolf tickets. Like, come on. Like, I bought the wolf ticket. Like, this gym 60 bucks, and it's just like, it's... It's cool, you know. It's fun, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm overall unimpressed. Like, right. High, highly unimpressed. Like. Well, I mean, I, part of it, right? I mean, Halo is only on Xbox, right? Yep. So part of it is, you know, well, here they're getting PlayStation people with the Halo engine or the Halo, you know. Yeah. It's obviously not the same engine, but you know, like the the same kind of thing in the way that, you know, as much as I love. Um, Uncharted. I know that it's just a Lara Croft ripoff, you know, mm-hmm. um, with a dude instead. And I just happened to, you know, that was on the PlayStation. And, you know, I got into that on the PS3 and it continued into the PS4. But so part of it is that, like, if you're already a Halo player, Destiny might not be all that. And because mm. um, what you're saying is what people have been saying since Jump. I had no idea that they were really saying it like that because yeah. it's just so ridiculous. It's like the enemies move the same. It has the same damn storyline. Like that's what's really hilarious. It's like they've had the same storyline through every Halo pretty much ever, other than like Halo Reach. That's like the one where it wasn't the same. And then like this is the exact same storyline yet again with the same enemies and, you know, collectibles. But, you know, they got me. What can I say? You know, Damn it. Yeah. Not going to get me again, though. I'm not dropping any more money on this game until, like, some end-of-the-year bonus where they give you everything. Because, right. nah, nah, B. Nah. Also, to everyone who's been telling me to check out uh, Shadow War, I haven't. Just because the first one, you know, I loved it. But after a while, it just got a little dark for me, the whole slavery aspect. I don't really need it right now. There's just a lot of things, like a lot of things that are like, you know, like a lot of media, a lot of TV, a lot of films. There's a lot of stuff right now that's like reflecting our current, you know, political landscape. Too too close to home. And not even that it's too close to home. I feel like it's too, like, negative and dark. Right. Like, it's not only that you enslave the orcs, but you treat them like shit, too. Yeah. And it's just like, for what? Because it's like, yes, we're in a bad state right now, but America, you know, is... It's always been a pretty bad place. You know, just the current state is that things are just on the out where you just see it right away. So I'm like, I don't need all this like, oh, my God, you know, the world is ending. It's terrible because it's like, man, I need a little more something like 
right now I've been rocking a Cuphead, which is just right. I mean, you've been raving about that. Yeah, it's and I've incredible. seen other people talking about it on Twitter. It's so beautiful. It's so dope. It's so hard. But it's not like some game where, you know, it's just like you're enslaving orcs and everything. It's just, you know, I don't need all that. Oh, man. But, you know, since we have no tech news, it is time for some comic psycho. And this week in uh, Comic Psychops, I've actually been behind my copying of comics. I know there's a new issue of Walking Dead. Haven't had a chance to read that yet. Uh, I do want to recommend a new issue of Animosity Evolution, which is now the third series from Animosity. And I told y'all about Animosity when it first dropped, and now they got three series popping. So if you were smart, you got that first issue of Animosity number one because that's money in the bank. You'll put your kids through college with that. Plus, it's a dope-ass series. So, check out Animosity. It's like this ill series and now an ill world about what happens when animals, you know, stay woke. When they just wake up one day. Like, every animal on the world gains intelligence, the ability to speak. I mean, not that they didn't have intelligence before, but the ability to speak, you know, and like, I guess, become aware of their actions is what happens in this book. It's a really ill concept. And just carried out so well. The original comic is written by Marguerite Bennett. And she's now overseeing this whole world. Great stuff. Uh, Speaking of other worlds, also Lion Forge Comics has just been doing great work, yo. Like, I really just want to stop and, you know, applaud them for a minute. Because they've been establishing this whole world of, you know, diverse. And I mean, diverse in the right way. Not like some... You know, oh, okay, we're just doing diversity for diversity's sake. No, actually creating really dope characters, a really dope universe, and expanding it, you know, with title either to title. And one of their latest ones that I'm really loving is his book, Incidentals. And it features art by uh, Larry Stroman. Do you remember him, Chico? He actually created uh, Dark Stars, if I'm not mistaken, way back when at DC Comics, among many other things. Word? Oh, yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, he wow. Drew, yeah, he drew the first uh, couple of issues of Dark Stars. And so he created that whole, you know, what organization, at least visually, for the DC Universe. But I know he's was, done a lot more than that. And I know he did some stuff at Image in the mm-hmm. 90s. Yep. Was he doing his, like, really, like, weird, out-there style when he did Dark Stars? No, I feel like it was more of a, you know, like, Jim Lee-style type stuff. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you know, as he expanded, you know, he became one of those artists where he just developed his own unique style. And he hasn't done comics in years. And now he's back on incidentals. He hasn't lost a step. It's just that same, you know, it's super exaggerated, really dope stuff. I used to love him on uh, X-Force, no, uh, X-Factor. He was doing that for a minute when Peter David was doing it. Just great stuff. So definitely check out incidentals. And in some old stuff that I finally got to read, I got to read a Weird World, the whole series from Marvel. It's written by Jason Aaron with art by Michael Del Mundo. I'm not sure if it was collected into a trade. It's about 11 issues total. There's like two series. It was a spinoff from The Secret Wars a while back. And it's just so ill, really ill story. 
and the art by Michael Del Mundo is like this painted, just in absolutely stunning, beautiful stuff. So go check that out. Hunt those issues down. If you got to buy them, you know, um, Comixology or whatever, or a Marvel's app, make sure you check them out any way possible. Just a really great series. The first series features uh, Archon, who's like a Conan type dude. Um, but the second series features this little, um, girl from earth who gets drawn in the weird world and both series connect and just a really great, you know, one-off 11 issue series. So check that out. And that's it for comments.com. Um, unless, you know, Chico, you got anything you've been reading? Nah, I mean, I picked up a lot of old stuff that I needed, like the recent trade paperbacks of Saga, I mm. got like uh, the complete Winter Soldier, Captain America trade oh. paperback. Oh. Uh, I picked up the Death of Gene DeWolf, which is like wow. Spider Man. Hold yeah. on, man, slow down, slow down. You're dropping some. Yeah, you know, explain to people about the death of you know. Death of Gene, Gene DeWolf, DeWolf was actually so Christopher Priest. His name used to be Jim Owsley, mm-hmm. and he was a very young and, to my knowledge, the first and only a black editor at you know in the eighties at DC and he had started there as an intern and worked his way up, but he inherited the Spider-Man and, and you know, uh, um, the, the, all the Spider-Man books at 23. And he was like, yo, we're going to do something wow. really big. And Gene DeWolf was, I, this crossed over with Daredevil. Gene DeWolf was a cop. Remember all these, these are all in, in New York, you know, Ben Yurick was in both Spider-Man and Daredevil. Gene DeWolf was in both. And she was like a hard nosed cop. And it was like a, um, you know, who done it. And he was the editor, but it was all his idea. Um, and he sort of plotted it out with the writers and everything like that. And it was just like, it was like a heavy duty. I mean, you know, you know, episode ends with like, you know, someone blowing someone away with a shotgun and you don't know if it's her or not. And back then, you know, you had to wait, you know, it was, there already were two Spider-Man books out. This was, I think before Web of Spider-Man had started, but maybe maybe it yeah. had just started, but it was like Amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, and maybe Web of Spider-Man. And they all sort of de- focused on different elements of Spider-Man's life. And um, so, yeah, he was like a young, um, you know, a young editor, you know, who had this really great idea. And it was like a big storyline in you know the early 80s back before they were doing this is like three years before secret wars or wow or maybe it was the same maybe it was like a year or two before secret wars but you know this was before you know the every year there was a big crossover and so you know um it crossed over into daredevil and across the spider-man titles and um yeah death of gene DeWolf is dope and um they had collected the winter soldier which i'd read but it was like just like five issues of the Captain mm-hmm. America reboot, I guess, or one of the reboots. And this is like 10 or 12 of the issues. And so it was like a bigger. So I picked that up. Um, I picked up some random trade paperbacks of Chew, which you got me into. So yep. now I have like one, two, three, six, nine, eleven. you know, like whatever. I have to fill in the blanks. But I had read one and really liked it. And so... I picked up some some of the others, but now I have to fill in fill in the blanks. Um, yeah, you gotta you know it's tough because you gotta wait till the end to get the deals, but you also wait till the end and there's not as much there. But at the mm-hmm. end, like people don't want to go back with all the stuff that they brought to Comic Con, so they'll give it to you for half of what they were charging on Thursday. 
Yep. That is always the trick, though. And like you said, sometimes, because I was trying to hold out, I saw this uh, Dark Phoenix and Cyclops figure, Marvel Legends series, for 60 bucks. And I was like, if I wait till Sunday, it was Saturday. I'm like, if I wait till Sunday, it'll be 50. You know, maybe even 40, I can get them for it. Waited till Sunday, gone. Gone. Got yep. it for nothing. Got yep. nothing. Yeah. Probably saved myself some money, though. So, all good. But definitely great recommendations. Like Chico said, the death of Gene De- DeWolf, you know, Christopher Priest, just a legend before his time, back when he was Jim Owsley, 23 years old. That's like I was reading this oral history of Drumline, and I didn't realize that Dallas Austin produced Cooley High Harmony at 19. Yeah. I mean, just beasting, you know? And I'm over here just making it the staff writer. But, you know, that's that's the lesson learned there. Your dreams can happen for you at any age, any time. Just stay working. Stay woke. This is a stay woke episode, for real. Like, wake It's also, I think, a lesson on just get your foot in the door. So he was like an unpaid intern. And then he was like a gopher. And then he was like a paid assistant. And then he and then he was an assistant editor, and then he was an editor all by the Boom. time he was twenty three, and you know it's just getting your foot in the door can be the hardest thing. I mean, there's people who you know writing for Saturday Night Live who like literally don't get any of their skits on the air in the first year, and you know you just got to keep plugging away, you know. And it's like once your foot is in the door, your foot, you know, you're in the room, and that's that's the best place to be. And then you know. People saw that, you know, he had really good ideas and he was a fan and he was smart and whatever. And so they they gave him, you know, one of the top franchises. I mean, it was just any it wasn't like they were giving him, you know, power pack and cloak and dagger. I mean, they gave him Spider-Man, you know, <laughs> oh, man. and I actually oh. love, don't you know, I, I love both cloak and dagger and power pack. Oh, my God. Power pack was one of the best series. Yeah. Ever. But, so well done. Yeah. Man. I, I, I actually think Power Pack is like a, such a no-brainer for a TV show, and I can't believe they haven't done it yet. I think there's been, like, attempts, but there's been... There's a reason why it hasn't made it. And, like, right now they got Runaways coming, which, while it's not Power Pack, I think that might be, you know, in the same lane. And Runaways is also brilliant, so... You know. Yeah, I don't know if we were going to wait to talk about this at TV. I've actually been pleasantly surprised with The Gifted, although I had low expectations. Mm. I, I've only caught the first episode, and I was also pleasantly surprised. But a lot of people have been like, it's whack as hell. And I don't know. Like, I think people just are, you know, like, this got to suck. You know, because I'm like, it's okay. It's not, like, great. It's not bad. But give so it I, I thought it was going to suck. And so yeah. it definitely doesn't suck. And there's, there's some stuff about it that I like. And, I mean, I've watched three episodes. I'm going to watch the next episode on Monday, you know. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm hooked for now. I mean, there are shows that I've watched that I've, you know, I've given up on. But I'm in for the, you know, at least the short haul on um, The Gifted. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, also, I, I'm intrigued. I mean, it's not on the level of something like Legion. But no, it's also no easier to enjoy than Legion. Ah, True. I was actually reading an article about that where they were talking about how, like, the death of serialized TV is, like, a problem. Not, I mean, not the death of it, like, the over just, you know, where everything is serialized and there's not, like, a show where you can just be like, yo, just watch this episode. Right. But, see, I I disagree. I mean, maybe in drama there isn't, you know, obviously in comedy there is, but in drama there isn't. 
But then it's like back in the day, people used to complain that TV shows never change. You know, like the A team was the A team every week. You know, and nothing I ever love happened. It when a plan comes together, yeah, every week. So it's like, uh, you know, you win and you lose. Well, the but other all, thing is, it's a lot yep. easier to get caught up now. So like, you have on demand, you have Netflix. You know, I I gave up on Agents of Shield way back when, but I always knew that it was going to be on Netflix, and so I've caught up. You know what I mean? Like, and it, and I knew that I had to like take a period of time. I mean, it took me like two or three months to watch five, four seasons. Um, so, I, you know, I I definitely I feel like it it is easier to check out a show and be like, all right, I might like this. Let me go back and watch in the beginning, whereas it used to be. You could never find old. If you missed an episode of a show, like especially before v- VCRs, VHS, you were screwed. That was it. You know, I remember like trying to get home to watch Fame, um, hmm. and you know, because it was on at like eight o'clock at night, and you know, you get home at eight thirty, and you've missed half the show, and you're never going to see that again, except maybe if you catch it in the summer reruns. So with the serialization, they have made it easier to go back. You know. Um, or even just when people tell you a show is really good, you can start it from the beginning. You know, there are so many people who started watching uh, Breaking Bad after the show had already ended. You know, you could never do that. But now with all the outlets, you could do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolute facts. So, yeah, like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like people are going to complain either way is what I feel. And uh, speaking of complaining either way, man, that Justice League poster dropped and. Yeah, I mean, so it's it. I don't know what they're thinking, but like quite literally, the porno, the porno parody of it has a better poster, and that's a fact. Like that's not an exaggeration. That's like, I mean, it's like the I, it could be the worst poster in like the history of cinema because like the, oh, the, the the act of of doing posters <laughs> is something that's really kind of fallen down since like the nineties, where you just have these two big heads and the title, and that's it. Whereas yep. it used to be, they used to be hand painted. This guy Drew Strugin, who mm-hmm. did, um, you know, the the Raiders of the Lost Ark and and all the Indiana Jones and many others, and um, I think the brothers Hildebrandt did the or Greg Hildebrandt did the first Star Wars poster. And now, you know, they're they're pretty lame and whack. But if you compare the Black Panther poster to the Justice League poster. I mean, it's literally again. You know, it's me playing one on one against LeBron James. Wait, wait, no, no, the trailer because the Black Panther poster is pretty wet to me too. Yeah, but I'm saying even even that as just having a bunch of heads on it is still way better than the Justice League one. No, the trailer. Forget. I mean, it's not even that. Is like me playing one on one with Galactus. Um, (laughs) You know, forget about LeBron James. No, the, 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 the even the posters. Like I think posters in general suck. And so I think that, you know, the Black Panther poster sucks less and the and the Justice League one sucks more, you know? Okay. Um, yeah, it's movie posters is it's it's a dying art. And um, it's really too bad because there's a lot of opportunity for dope graphic design. And you often see fans and artists on Twitter doing their own versions of posters. And they're always so much doper than the real one. It's it's such a damn shame. Like even at Comic Con, I had to take this uh, one company's card because uh, they're not like like I like the Mondo joints and who Mondo makes, but Mondo, you know, they always sell out so much, and you got to buy them. And there's so many other people, like you said, because I took this one company's card. I'll give them a shout next week. 
and they are just like they they had like an Ant Man joint. They had all these joints. It's only because like I'm in L.A. right now, and you know I'm not sure. And in New York, my spot is already covered in art where I just right. have no space for it. But there were just so many dope joints that I was like, yo, I get that, I get that, and I would have never bought the Ant Man you know, movie poster. Like, I don't even like Ant-Man like that. But, I mean, it's a cool movie, but not where I'm going to buy the poster, but this joint was sick. Yep. Yeah, so. I mean, it's, it is too bad, because there used to be really, really great movie posters, and now that's become another collectible thing where people are paying, you know, ten and $20,000 for, like, original posters from, like, the Golden Age of Hollywood and, you know, mm-hmm. Original yep. Star yep. Wars posters, you know, things like that. Um, yep. And it's just not like that anymore. They're they're just, you know, one or two big heads and that's it, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, that's the thing. At least with these superhero ones, you get a, you get a different, you know, cast of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, I honestly, the I, 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 I literally don't understand the appeal of the Justice League movies, uh, movie rather. Um, and, and why, you know, people are like, why would anyone watch, you know, so Punisher is getting released on Netflix the same day the Justice League comes out. And I, I can't even imagine being like, no, I'm not going to watch this really dope Netflix miniseries. I'm going to go get on the train and wait online and, you know, watch this really, really, really whack, turgid, like poorly, poorly paced, <laughs> poorly toned movie. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, they yeah, would have been I, better off making a Wonder Woman Aquaman movie. Um, wow. Um, it's really it's interesting to me because there's those people who are so like anti one or the other that we're like, you know, people are like, we're like, what do you mean? You know, DC makes the best movies. All the Marvel movies suck. Yeah, and I mean that's I mean that's just not a, an accurate statement. I mean, no, but e- and then there's the other way where people say, you know, all DC's movies suck, and I won't say that because there's Wonder Woman, of course. I actually enjoy, you know, Man of Steel a lot. I think there's problems in, you know, Batman versus Superman, but I still think it's hilarious, you know, in a lot of ways, unintentionally in a lot of places. And I don't think all of Marvel's movies are great. So I don't really have this thing. I'm praying Justice League, you know, is better. But like you said, Chico, I I really expect, you know, that out of the two, the Punishers to be, you know, the much better investment of my time. I mean, it's much easier to make a solo movie than a team movie to begin with. But, I mean, to say, yeah, of course all of Marvel's movies haven't been great. And I probably am harsher on them than you. But if you take the top five Marvel movies... Like they like they're still way better than whatever the top DC movie is. Um, I mean, I don't know because I mean, like I actually do. I think the Nolan Batman movies are amazing, but all flawed. Like every mm-hmm. one of them has a different flaw. With I agree, the Dark Knight is the best of the three, but yeah. there are Marvel movies that are better than Dark Knight, and maybe not five. Ooh. But if you're if you're just talking DC expanded universe, I mean. There's 15 Marvel movies that are better than Wonder Woman. Ooh, and that's the ouch. best of the expanded universe. Maybe not ouch. 15, but 10 for sure. Um, and that's definitely the best. Um, I don't know. Spider-Man Homecoming. There aren't. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's Marvel. Of course. it's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's no. <laughs> yeah, there's no. I was just trying to think of like last year. I mean, and there's no DC movie that's as bad as Suicide Squad. You know what I mean? Like, you mean no I Marvel movie? Yes, there is. I mean, Marvel movie as bad as... Yes, there is. Thor, 
Um, I don't Thor know about two. that. I feel I, I you. No, definitely not. I don't think so. I feel you. They never asked for BET and Thor 2. Right. I mean, I just, you know, and I actually, again, Batman vs. Superman is, is, is worse to me than Suicide Squad because I felt like Suicide Squad aimed pretty low. And, and Batman Superman aimed really high and really missed. And it's like if you're aiming low and you miss, like whatever. But if you aim high and you miss, it's a bigger miss. Not to me. See, I feel like if you aim high and you miss, because like that's the same thing like with Blade Runner. Like there's problems I have with Blade Runner. But right. since they aim so high, I forgive it because most films don't aim that high. Not that su- not that Batman vs. Super- Suicide Squad was aiming. I mean, Batman versus Superman was aiming on the same yeah. level of a Blade Runner, but it was aiming higher. So right. I give it that credit for that. But and, yeah, I mean, I you know from from the trailer, and I've seen what two three trailers now for the for the Justice League and the poster, and just the tone of what it just is like. Wow, this is a disaster, and you know. <laughs> I feel bad for Wonder Woman that she's got to participate. And I feel bad for Aquaman that, you know, I mean, he needs just to get his own movie and not to deal with the rest of these losers. My favorite part about the poster, well, there's not the main poster, but there's another poster where they're lined up. And the fact is that they put Wonder Woman in the center of it. And that's just so hilarious because I know they damn sure, no executive wanted to do that, but they just had to accept that Wonder Woman is their best hope to save this franchise. So, oh yeah, yep. So right. I don't know. Um, are we are we talking about movies? Yes. So there was a recent rumor that um, uh, Godzilla, King Kong, and the Mecha Kaiju movies. Uh, you know the you Pacific know, Rim. Yeah, that those are all going to cross over. And I don't know. You know how I feel. I mean, it's like sometimes when you have jock itch and athlete's foot, those cross over too. It doesn't make it a good thing. <laughs> well, we are you hyped for Pacific Rim too? Because me and Tatiana already said that it's like you know, we. No, just... I'm I'm nowhere near as hyped as you guys. I was really disappointed by the first one. So like, is she. I had high. Well, so I feel like the sequel. I, I, I don't know. It's rare that I, like, I'm disappointed by the first one and I'm like, oh, they'll fix it in the sequel and then I don't get burned, you know? Yeah. Like, when I saw the second prequel to Star Wars, it never even occurred to me. I was like, okay, well, the first one was such a disaster. Obviously, the second one's going to be really dope. Yeah. And then I went into that and I was just like, okay, this is just as bad, you know? Yeah. Just without yeah. the kid. Um, <laughs> but like the love scenes on Naboo and stuff. Yeah, were just, yeah, yeah. Were no, no, no need awful. to get into that. I mean, yeah, no, you know. Yeah, yeah, we so know. we know. I don't know. I mean, yes, there. I mean, a great version of that movie. I would be more excited, like as excited, you know. But yep. like, I just I tend to be more cynical. Um, I also think Del Toro is a genius on one level, but that his movies are always have problems. You know, they're that, mm-hmm. that you know, there's this clunky things in all his movies, um, yep. you know, and 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 that when we talk about his best ones like Blade uh, two or Hellboy or the ones he made in Spain, um, Pan's Labyrinth or um, the Devil's Backbone. I mean, those are a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, you know, and again, I, I was a real the strain really was you know problematic on many levels for me although i did watch i gave it a good six or seven episodes 
But I haven't yelled huh. at my TV as much altogether as I did at the stream. Well, you know, we're talking TV, so that means, you know, we have D. Chico Leo in the spaceship, so it must be time for Chico! Pick of the week! So, it's, uh, here we are, it's fall, the new TV season has started, there's a lot of dope new shows, uh, we talked earlier about The Gifted, but a show that the Sci-Fi Channel, along with their new logo, they have a, uh, a new show out called Superstition, that there's only been mm-hmm. one episode, but I was, um, I mean, I'll definitely be watching it again, I can't, I was sort of pleasantly, I- I'm into it, I mean, so basically it's called Superstition, it's a multi-generational family of which the patriarch of the family is played by Melvin Van Peebles. And they deal with, um, they, they call the, they, they basically are demon hunters or demon fighters. They call the demons infernals and they run the only, um, the only funeral parlor in town. And they basically, their specialty is, is dealing with the unexplained deaths of all the people who die in the town of the you know the infernals or the other sort of crazy buffy esque you know phenomenon that have haunted this town forever, um, and so it's dope. It is a black family. It is multi generational, and it is. I mean, I feel like if you like supernatural, which apparently a lot of people do, since it's about to enter its forty ninth season, um, you know, like if you like supernatural, if you like you know um multi-generational like demon hunting families um and you want to see some dope representation now i wasn't wild about the way it was shot it felt a little shoddy but um that could be just because there's all of this sort of you know prestige tv all over the place but it didn't feel like it was up to say like preacher or you know a show like that in terms of just like let alone something like um legion but um, it's a dope, pulpy show. At the very least, it's it's as good as like Winona Earp, and it could be better. So um, yeah, ch- check in Sci-Fi Channel. It airs uh, Fridays at ten, and it's the the Mosley family. Um, that's not my pick of the week because I can't really say. But after I, I, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with the pilot, and um, I would say for my pick of the week people might have already checked this out but if you haven't checked out mind hunter i actually that was like a super bingeable i watched it in like two sittings and it's about fbi pro like the beginning of fbi profiling in the late 70s and that's very much like uh silence of the lambs meets um zodiac that's how i would describe that and david fincher actually directed the pilot and it's really good um you know, if you're at all into true crime stuff and FBI stuff, um, I, you know, I would highly, 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 highly recommend that. Um, also, my pick of the week for podcasts is something called Dirty John, which is another true crime thing that's really dope. It's an actual real story about a guy who cons his way into a family and marries the marries the mother and then basically, you know, dopely goes about disconnecting the mother from the re- I mean not dopely in a good way but you know disconnecting the mother from the rest of the family so he can either kill her and take her money or just inherit her money and it's a podcast and it uses you know the voices of all of the people in the story and court cases you know there's court courtroom uh, audio and it's pretty it's sleazy and riveting and human and um 
one of the daughters is a huge fan of The Walking Dead, and she views The Walking Dead the way I do, which is it's like a how-to for the future. And so she's always practicing, like, you know, how to stab people in the eye and stuff like that. So she's the only one who suspects that this dude is shady. And it's just really good. So, yeah, I would say Mindhunter on TV on Netflix and Dear John is a podcast. I mean, Dirty John is a podcast you can find anywhere. That's Those are my picks of the week. All right, well, thank you very much for that, Chico. And, man, you love everything said in the late 70s other than vinyl. That's right. That is true. That is true. And I'm really enjoying uh, The Deuce, which is said in the early 70s, but HBO (laughs) has managed to, uh, you know, sort of redeem themselves a little bit. Um, So, yeah. I, uh, yeah. So, yeah. And there's... uh, 70s, it's a ripe era. It's a ripe era.